Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Before we get into what I have for us this evening, I do want to... Uh, share with you some of the things that are available in our bookstore and in our Word Supply. The Word Supply provides free CDs. Sometimes we even have the opportunity to provide flash drives. We also use in that Word Supply uh, some of the expenses of our um, live streaming so that we're getting the Word out in through those avenues. And some of the new CD series that we have available, this is an eight CD series free of charge to whoever wants to receive of it called Our Shield of Faith. Talking about faith is the victory that overcomes. This is always something we need to build into our spirit is the understanding of how to use faith as a shield. Oftentimes we think about using faith in the receiving to receive a promise, to receive uh, something that is granted to us by the Word of God. But there is also a use of faith to protect, to raising up that shield of faith to reflect and to deflect all of the attacks that the enemy would bring against our life. And so our shield of faith, eight-part CDs uh, that will help you. Um, Another one, this is actually a classic Uh, of something that Pastor had preached uh, some years ago, Um, but it's always something that comes up. Uh, Often you'll see different surges in teaching throughout the body of Christ about uh, generational curses and how generational curses, and you got to break generational curses. But the Scripture says that when we have been brought into Christ... We are redeemed from curses. Those curses are not operative in a person's life. And so Pastor Steele goes through in this two CD series and talks about and teaches us why we are cursed no more. How that the generational curse that a lot of people will say, well, this family member had this, had this uh, disease or had this Uh, bad habit, maybe they were alcoholics and their father was an alcoholic, their grandfather was an alcoholic, their great-grandfather, and they say that was a generational curse. When in actuality, the enemy attacked the grandfather the same way that he attacked the father and that he attacked the the son, and none of them knew how to reflect that attack. None of them had to deflect those attacks of the enemy. And so uh, they, it seems that they had the same curse in the family when in actuality they were attacked by the same thing. So it's important for us to identify we are not cursed. We're blessed. We are cursed no more. So that's also available free of charge from our store. I was here a few uh, weeks ago and I asked a question I was actually here a week before last, and I asked a question probably a little bit back farther than that, but I asked the question, how many people have read the book, The Triumphant Church? 
And when I saw that not many people had read the book, I said to you, I will get them in our bookstore. I want to encourage you to read The Triumphant Church. We are not the militant church. We are not the church trying to gain victory. We are the triumphant church. We are already granted the victory. Uh, this is a, um, a very um, stabilizing teaching to help people who have uh, heard wrong teaching about spiritual warfare or wrong teaching about how to deal with the enemy. And this will help them be grounded on truth where it's concerned. This is a book that Brother Hagen uh, wrote, and it is very um, helpful in understanding our victory and understanding how to enforce that victory. Amen? So if you have not read, I encourage you to invest in this for your library. And uh, the other book by Brother Hagen that I hear so many people refer to is um, the book Right and Wrong Thinking. Look, it's just a little mini book. Easy read, Right and Wrong Thinking. Uh, when Charles Capps was $2 million upside down in debt and he was saved, uh, went to church uh, all of his life, you know, raised in church, but he uh, had made some wrong decisions in business and had got turned negative and it got worse. <laughs> and then uh, he, he said, I was drinking bottles of Maalox every day because he was so worried about his finances. He said, I worked all year long and I did not make enough money to pay for my driver's license renewal. He, because of wrong thinking. He said, a man came by my house and he had some books and he told me, you know, hey, do you want any of these books? Take them, read them. You can have them. I've already read them. And one of the books was this book, Right and Wrong Thinking. He said, this is what opened up to me and helped me turn my whole life around, not just his financial situation, which turned around within a, like a year and a half after he got to thinking right and believing right, but He's, it ended up affecting his entire ministry and it continues in his family because uh, his ministry is going on after he's already moved to heaven. It started with right and wrong thinking. It started with thinking right. And um, Bill, Bill Winston is another one that talks about how this book is what put him on the path to where he is today. And so many others have been affected by it. You'll be blessed by it if you'll take those principles. And then... Uh, our brand new release in Faith Builders is maintaining our joy. We need joy because joy is a well-fortified place. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that word strength means a defense or a well-fortified position. The joy of the Lord is a spiritual flow and it's available to each one of us, but it is our responsibility to maintain the joy. So I encourage you, there is a companion CD message uh, that will bless you and um, those resources are to help you grow and to help you establish yourself. Amen? Let's go to the book of James chapter 1. Uh, this morning I continued in a message that I had started a week and a, uh, uh, the week before when I was here. 
and um, just to uh, bring us all onto the same page, let me give a little bit of a background about what we've already discussed. We began to see the importance of operating in the systems of God and we looked at the fact that there are three systems that God put in to the earth in the book of Genesis. Three systems that God established to operate in the earth and they are all still functioning today. Our position in Christ allows us to operate them at their full effectiveness. Because we're born again, they will work for us even more so than for those who are not walking with God, not spiritually alive. The first one that we see is the word system. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the very first mention, and the law of first mention establishes how something will continue to be understood in the Scripture. Correct? So the very first mention of the use of words, the use of words. How did God use words? Right now, I'm using words to communicate to you. But God's first word usage was not communication. The very first thing God did with words was to create. He created what He wanted. He created His will. And He did so by speaking faith-filled words into the atmosphere and caused what He wanted to be created. God said, let there be, the actual Hebrew would, see, would be saying, light be, let there be light, or light be. And in that, that declaration, light became. So He used words to create first. Before he communicated, before he did anything else. The second thing he did with words was to set things in the order the way he wanted it to work. He said, I'm going to call the light day. I'm going to call this night. I'm going to command the firmament to be like this. He began to establish the order. He set things in order. The scripture that this ministry is founded on is Hebrews 11.3 and it says, through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed, fashioned, put in order. That definition of the word framed, fashioned, put in order, arranged is another definition of that word. The worlds were arranged by the word of God. So God established the use of words to create and the use of words to set things that are out of order in order to set things that don't have the right flow to give them the right flow. The next thing that he did was to bless. He used words to bless. And in that blessing, it's, those were the first words that man heard, that Adam and Eve heard. They heard the words of the blessing. He, he, he blessed them and said unto them, and then he communicated. Fourth, communication was fourth in line. You and I are instructed to imitate God as a child imitates their father. We are instructed to imitate God. And one of the most important things we could do in imitating and acting like God is to use words in the same way he used words. To take his words especially and use them to create our future. 
Use them to establish the way our lives will go. Use them to, to set the course, as the book of James says, for how our life will go. Amen? And so we talked about that in our first session of, of governed uh, by the word. We're word governed. Amen? How to take the word and to use the word to apply it to different areas of our life. And I gave the example of the man who uh, was attending the church. He had suffered a heart attack. He had suffered some different physical things, but he had been under the Word. It was your grandfather. Got a hold of the Word. The Word was being applied, and he stood up to testify one day, and he said, from this day on, only the blessing in my life. And when he said it, it went through me. It went through all of us. We were like, yes! He, he said it because he was establishing. He said, from this day forward, only the blessing. Only the blessing. What was he saying? The curse can't come back on me. The curse can't come back into my life. He was using what he understood about the Word of God to establish how his life would go. Amen? And so setting those things in order, using the Word of God to establish how our marriages will be, using the Word of God to, to out of our heart, out of our mouth, declare the end from the beginning. God created us in His image and in His likeness, made us speaking spirits like He is so that we would take His Word and use it in that same uh, that same application. We discussed this morning being born again from the Word of God, how that we are made alive by the Word of God, and how because we are made alive by the Word of God, we've got to also submit to the Word to have its uh, maturing work in us, that it's possible for a person to be born again, and, and after that, initial receiving of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, not go into that uh, process of growth to apply the Word, and that person can remain a baby in Christ if they're not applying the Word. But we saw this morning that the application or submitting ourselves to the Word of God will allow the Word to help us grow so that we can be uh, perfected or let me use the word developed and in that developing we'll be able to discern the difference between good and evil to know what is right for our lives and to have the character of God in uh, manifestation developed in our spirit so we see that we're born again of the word but we're also word dependent we're word dependent in our growth, in our strength, in our ability to uh, uh, continue progressing in spiritual things. We don't want to be like the scriptures we saw this morning where it said they should have been teachers, but they had need that someone teach them again. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 is where he was talking about the, um, or verse 3 I think it is, talking about the uh, need for someone to teach them again. Hallelujah. Verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and then Hebrews, it was chapter 5. 
Hallelujah. Verses 12 through 14. So we see that our progress, our maturity, is, it requires us to be feeding on the Word. Requires us to be applying the Word. Submitting to the Word. And so tonight I want to take even a step in that direction about how to be doers of the Word. So if you want to go back and look with me, I told you James chapter 1 and then uh, I, I gave you other scriptures, but we're going to start tonight in James chapter 1. And we're going to recognize the difference between being just a hearer of the Word but becoming a doer of the Word. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, that word means things that defile or dishonor, lay that aside, things that would defile, things that would cause dishonor, lay it aside, and superfluity, I've never in my life used the word superfluity except to read it out of the Bible, so I'm going to help you tonight just in case you've never used that word superfluity either, I looked it up for us. And it means a residue left over from our life before we got saved. Residue of things that are left over from our life before we got saved. I talk about, you know, renewing the mind. I, I, I talk about the fact that I thought one way. And then when I got born again, my mind still hadn't been renewed, so I was still thinking along some of the lines that I had before, and that was left over from my life. I got born again. I was still very much born again, but there were things in my life such as wrong thinking, bad habits, wrong uh, 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 responses, they were left over from my life before Christ. And he says, I can lay them aside. I can lay them aside. The things that are left over from that life outside of Christ, I can lay it aside. And then it says, so I need, whose responsibility is that? To lay these things aside? That's our responsibility, isn't it? And then it says, and receive with meekness. Meekness meaning a teachableness meaning a willingness to learn, meaning uh, a, a humility. Like, I don't know everything. I need, I need you to teach me. I need to know. Receive it with that openness. Receive it with that eagerness to learn. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. This word engrafted is an interesting word. According to the Thayer's lexicon, it means a word that is implanted by another's instructions. Or doctrine implanted by your teachers. Doctrine in, implanted by your pastor. Your, your teachers. Those who God has, has, has placed you under their care. Their tutelage. For them to instruct you. He says receive that instruction. Receive that teaching with an with a attitude of eagerness. A willingness to learn. Receive it with meekness, this engrafted word. The word engrafted also gives the idea, if you've ever seen, maybe in biology, they have done a, a, a they've grafted a plant together. They take 
a portion of, a, of one plant and they graft it together with another plant and it begins to grow together. So he's saying, I want you to take the word, put it in your heart till it becomes one with you, until you become one with it, until you can't separate where, where you are and the word, right? We, that's what we want. We want to become one with the word. We want to be word built. You know, Ford has built Ford tough. But here in the kingdom, we have built word, word, word strong. We're word strong. We're built by the word. Amen. Who you see today, the difference in who I am today and who I, who I was when I first came to Christ is what the Word has done in me. I, I am Word built. I, I don't think like the old Michelle before Christ thought. I don't act like Michelle B.C. I don't, I don't do anything. People who knew me then wouldn't recognize me today if they didn't know what God had done in my life. Amen? Why? Because I've been built by the Word for the last 27 years. I've been feeding on the Word for the last 27 years, and you know you are what you eat. We've been feeding on the Word of God. Amen? So engrafted. We want the Word to become one with us. And then it says, this engrafted Word is able to save your soul. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did verse 19, did he start this conversation out by talking to brethren? Wherefore, my beloved brethren, they're saved, aren't they? They're born again. They're alive spiritually. But he said there needs to be some soul salvation. There needs to be some soul salvation. Well, what is your soul? What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So the Word of God is able to bring your mind into line with Christ, able to bring your emotions into line with who you are in Christ, and able to bring your chooser, your will, into line with who you are in Christ. And, and we need our souls to be saved because it makes walking by faith so much easier. It makes walking in the Spirit much more effective. If my soul, my mind is renewed, my will and my emotions are renewed or saved, restored... And so this spiritual application to my soulish realm is necessary and the Word is able to do that. What am I doing though? I am continually in the position of receiving that Word, submitting to the teaching, submitting myself to those who God has placed me under so that I can learn and grow, so that I can continue and progress and mature and, and be in spiritual preparation. Hallelujah. You can't, you can't drive through and get it. You can't microwave it and make it happen. There is no quick fix for spiritual maturity. It requires sitting under the teaching of the Word. It requires being a student, receiving with meekness the engrafted Word. There is no... There is no um, there is no opting out of it and progressing in the kingdom. So you're here tonight because you have approved what is excellent. 
You have recognized the most excellent thing I could do with my time on this Sunday night is to be where God has planted me, receiving the word and receiving that light into my path so that I know what to do when Monday morning comes around. Amen? You're here receiving that engrafted word and you are allowing that word to help direct you. Amen? So when he says here this word, we are very strong on being hearers of the word. We are very focused on the hearing of the word. We talked a lot about the word being sown into the heart in the parable of the sower was those who heard the word. We identified it, said, and these are they which were sown on this ground. They heard the word. They heard the word. In every part of the parable of the sower, the hearing of the word was the sowing into the ground. And how you get it in the heart is by the hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be hearers of the word. But if we stop with the hearing, if hearing is is the only application of the word, we have not completed the purpose of the hearing. It says here in verse 22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. So yes, be a hearer of the word. Get it in your heart. Sow it into the good ground of your heart. Be a hearer, but don't stop with just the hearing. Be a doer of the word you've heard. Act on the word that you've heard. Apply the word that you've heard. Submit to the word that you've heard. Adjust yourself in line with the word that you've heard. Amen? So it says, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer of the word of God. It says, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. People who are only hearing and don't allow that hearing to become an application in their life, something that they're putting to work in their life or that they are going to act in line with. You know, the woman in Mark chapter 5, do you know the reason she was out pressing through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment? What was the reason? For she said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. She heard of Jesus and came in the press behind, for she said to herself, so now she's, she's heard the word, and she's talking the word, and then what happens? She becomes a doer of the word she has heard and talked. She heard it, and in the hearing, it brought up a faith that came out of her heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. So now her mouth is speaking, why? Because she's got a fullness of it in her heart. But it wasn't just the hearing and the speaking. It motivated her. It propelled her. It moved her in a certain direction. And the reason she was there that day is because she heard and eventually acted on what she heard. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. That's what she's saying. The whole time she's pressing, the whole time she's reaching, the whole time she's making her way, I shall be whole. 
So it wasn't just the hearing and saying, well, I believe God. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. Well, believing in the heart is part of it, but the speaking with the mouth is a part of being a doer of the word. There are some times that the only thing you can do is give thanks. Father, I receive it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's nothing I can do in the natural, nothing I can do physically about the situation, but I can thank God for it. Amen. That spiritual action as much as pressing through the crowd was. Amen? So we've got to let the Holy Spirit show us how can I be a doer of that? How can I be a doer of this word? How can I act on it? How can I, I lean into that? And so it says... Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So a person who's only hearing can move into that place where they think they're okay. Deceiving. Well, I'm, I've heard it. I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm, I'm hearing it. I got it in my CD player. Got it on my podcast. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Well, eventually there needs to be a doing of it. So it says... If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Do you think this is in the Bible because it's possible for us to fall into this trap? Do you think the reason God put it here is to help us make sure we don't get into such a hearing mode that we don't just get satisfied with the hearing? Satisfied with the hearing. Well, I've heard that. No, if any be a hearer and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholds himself and goes his way and immediately or right away forgets what manner of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his doing, in his deed. He'll be blessed. So the blessing is not in just the hearing. Hearing is part of it. Hearing is part of it. But the blessing is not just in the hearing. The, the hearing is, is a means to an end. The hearing is necessary for the doing. Do you remember this morning I read from Romans chapter 10? And we were looking at salvation and the process. It said, it said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How are they going to call on him in whom they have not heard or have not believed? And how are they going to believe if they haven't heard? And how are they going to hear except a preacher be sent? And how's the preacher going to be sent if we don't send them? Right? So there is a process. We want everybody to get to the place where they're calling on the name of the Lord. But for them to get there, there has to be a, a believing. Well, we want everybody to believe. Well, how are we going to get them to believe? Well, they've got to hear. They've got to hear. And then how are they going to hear? There's, it's got to be preached. It's got to be proclaimed. So that process was necessary to get to it. But each step in that process is just a step to get to it. Amen? It, we, it, we don't want to leave it out, but we don't want to stop at that. Amen? We want the, the, each step to have its part played out 
it to, so that it goes through each of the process till we get to the place where they call on the name of the Lord. Well, in the same way, the hearing is part of it. The hearing is necessary for the seed to get in the heart. But we don't want to stop. You know, there was, let, think about the parable of the sower. There were four grounds and only one of them brought anything out. Only one of them had any results. Three of them had no results. And they received the same word preached to them. Had the same word of God, had the same preacher of the word, right? But three of them had no results of the word. Why? They all heard it. They were all hearers of it. But there wasn't a continuation of the word, a completion of the growth of the word. They didn't maintain the word in their heart. So the hearing is an important part. It's the only way to get the word in the heart, that faith-activated word, hearing. Faith comes by hearing. It didn't say faith comes by reading, but you can read it out loud to yourself and now you've heard it, right? Now faith has come. Why? Because I'm verbally authorizing it. I'm activating it with my voice, voice activated. Praise God. So this hearing... We're not taking away from the hearing. We're not diminishing the importance of the hearing, but we're identifying that the hearing is a step in the process, but then I need to continue. You know, one of my favorite examples of how faith works, how faith in the Word works to bring change in a person's life is when I read or hear Brother Hagen's testimony because he did not have anybody who was preaching the word to him. Nobody in his, his vicinity believed that God would heal him. But he came across Mark chapter 11 and he preached it to himself. He took Mark chapter 11 that said, whosoever, it said, uh, if any man, if, uh, whosoever will believe in his heart and not doubt, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And he meditated on that verse. He spoke that word out loud to himself. He fed on it. He fed on it. He chewed on it. He chewed on it. He meditated on it. And he even came to a place in his testimony where he said, Lord, if you stood by my bed tonight and told me I was not believing, I'd have to tell you you're wrong. I'm believing with everything I know. And he said, that's the problem. You're believing with everything you know. And he took him back to that verse where it said, it said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Believe that you receive them when you pray and you will have them. And he saw it. The Holy Spirit showed it to him. He saw it. He said, oh, you mean I have to believe that my heart condition is healed while my heart is still hesitating in my chest. You mean I have to believe that my blood is healed even though it's not pumping properly through my bloodstream. You mean I have to believe that I'm healed of this paralysis even though I can't move from the waist down. And he said, I get it. And so he started, what could he do? 
Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this paralysis. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this blood condition. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this heart disease. Thank you, Lord, that I'm... He started thanking God and worshiping God. And then one, one morning, he's doing this. He's meditating on it. Faith had come. Faith, he had faith, but he hadn't acted on it. The Lord said, if you're healed, what's a well man doing in bed this time of the morning? And you know what? He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed from the waist down. But he grabbed the bedpost and threw his body off the bed, held onto the bedpost. He didn't step out of bed, y'all. He acted. What if he would have sat there and said, I still can't feel my legs. I still can't move my legs. What do you mean, get out of bed? I'm going to have to lay on the floor till granddaddy gets home to pick me up because mama and grandma can't pick me up. What if he would have just waited there? But the Lord prompted him. Now, the, that's the key. The Lord prompted him. He had faith. Faith had come. He knew there was a fullness of faith. The Holy Spirit knew there was a fullness of faith. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing in bed this time of the day? Still couldn't move. But he acted on where his faith was. And he held on to the bedpost and threw his body off the bed, just slid right off, holding on. And he said, when I did that, I began to feel pins and needles from the waist down, and it hurt so bad, and it felt so good. <laughs> Why? Because all of the, that, that action of faith, that doing of the word, that doing of the faith that was in his heart, acting on it is what open the door for the healing to have its manifestation. A doer of the word. That woman who pressed through the crowd, she was doing it by faith. Faith was... And went, here's what I want you to redefine. If I just said that and you heard something I didn't say, and let me identify this. Well, I'm going to do it by faith. And you can hear in the heart, ooh, I'm going to do it by faith. Ooh. That means it's uncertain and I don't know how it's going to end up and it's like I'm jumping out of the airplane. I'm going to do it by faith. You know, I mean, just in, in the tone, you can hear the uncertainty. By faith. Faith is never uncertain. The whole definition of faith, faith is the certainty of things we hope for, the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is certainty. Faith is certain. Faith is sure. Faith is not ever chance. Faith is not taking a chance. If someone says, we're going to do it by faith, and, th and what they really mean is we're going to take a chance. We're just going to just take a chance. They have a wrong definition of faith. A lot of people define faith as Something that we can't, we can't, we can't, um, something that we have no certainty in, we're not sure how it's going to end up, there is no, no guarantee. Faith is guaranteed. Faith, faith, Bible faith, God's faith is sure, it is guaranteed. That's why he said, it is by grace that it might be by faith, so the promise would be sure. Guaranteed. God chose His grace to supply and our faith to access the supply 
The faith he gives us to access the supply. Why? So the promise would be sure. So when a, when a believer says, by faith, they have a different meaning than the person who is saying, I'm uncertain, I'm unsure, I hope it's going to work out, and we're not sure how this is going to end, but by faith, we're going to believe for God's best. No, by faith would say, we have God's best, all is well, no evil shall befall us, no plague shall come near our dwelling, nothing shall by any means hurt us, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. No weapon formed against me shall be able to... You know, it's certain. It's, it's calling it now, now faith. It's calling it now and it's calling it certain. <clears throat> Please don't force that. Please don't force it because of head knowledge. Because you know how you should act in that situation. If it's not being propelled from a certainty in your heart, stop and go get in the Word until the Word propels you. Because mental assent does not get the same results that faith gets. And mental assent looks a lot like faith and sounds to the outer ear a lot like faith. Mental assent is, well, I know the Word of God is true. I know God said, I know God said that He is the Lord that heals. I know God said, I know, I know, that I, knowing and believing are not the same. You can know what 1 Peter 2.24 says and not have a flow of faith propelling you that by His stripes you are healed. Why? Because knowing comes by an insert of information, but faith comes by hearing in the heart. With the heart, man believes. With the heart. So it, it's, the knowing is necessary. I need to renew my mind with it, but knowing is not my objective. Uh, my objective. Believing is my objective, and believing requires a constant feeding on the Scripture, especially concerning a specific subject. If you're believing in a specific area and you're exerting a lot of faith in that specific area, let's take healing, for instance. If you are exerting faith in that area, then you need to be hearing more in that area. Why? Because you're already withdrawing a lot out of your heart for that specific need. You're withdrawing a lot out, so if you, you just basic math 101, if you take a lot of debits out with your debit card, you better make some deposits too, or you're going to be hitting a decline, a withdrawal. You'll, you'll be trying to make a withdrawal, and they'll say, you are overdrawn. Well, people do that with their faith because they just think, well, I've heard it, so I know it. Well, faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. Having heard is different than hearing because that's like uh, I can make unlimited withdrawals because I made one deposit this year. Well, you better hope it was a mighty big deposit if you've been trying to withdraw all year off one deposit. You better make continual deposits if you're making continual, continuous withdrawals. 
right? So the deposit of faith that comes by hearing is necessary if I am making a greater demands on my faith in a certain area of healing, then I'm going to need to make specific deposits about healing back into my heart. So Sister Aretha Hagen wrote to her husband who was out on the road ministering in his healing ministry, preaching about healing, teaching about healing, seeing healing miracles in his ministry. But he got a letter from home that said his daughter had a specific uh, uh, thing wrong. I think it was something on her eye. And it was pretty serious. So a growth that was coming on her eye. And, and uh, so here is this man who is out teaching on faith. He's preaching on faith. He's seeing faith miracles, healing miracles in his ministry. And what do you think? How do you think he responded to getting this news about this sickness that was uh, attacking his child, this thing trying to grow on her eye? You think he just immediately said, well, in the name of Jesus? That's what I would have thought. I'll just be honest. I, I would have thought he would have just claimed it. That he would, have just, he would have just said, no, in Jesus' name, she's the healed of the Lord. And, and he would have just prayed over that letter or something to that effect and, and, and called it done. But I was so blessed by the fact that he, t he said what he did. He said, you know what? Even though I was teaching every day on healing and seeing healing miracles in my ministry, I knew that wasn't the way for me to obtain healing for my daughter. So he said, every day I spent in between the times that I'm studying for my lessons, that I'm studying for my sermons, I took extra time out of my day to specifically feed on the healing scriptures. And he said, I fed on them, I want to say three or four days before he released his faith for her healing. That blessed me. Thank you, Brother Hagen, for telling me that you just didn't jump out there and claim it and call it done and pray for her healing. But instead, he went back, even though he's teaching on it, seeing it manifest in his ministry, he, for his home, for his life, he fed on the scriptures, the same scriptures I have to feed on, the same scriptures you, you feed on. Why? Because that doesn't change. There's no microwave fix for it. There's no, there's no drive-through fix for this. We've got to invest our time in the Word, putting the Word in our heart and allowing the Word in our heart to release the faith and then we're ready to move. He fed on the Word until a faith came for that. He didn't just take what he was teaching and try to apply it, but he fed it for himself until it, for his release of faith. There was a momentum of it. Amen? Glory to God. Notice it says in verse 25, Whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty... Looking into the Amplified. Can you show me the Amplified of verse 25? I'll read it to you while they're pulling it up. It says, He who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, 
and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. Not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. This is the person who will be blessed in the doing. The life of obedience. This is the, 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 the result of continuing in the Word, which is what made the difference in the good ground and the other three types that didn't receive. Do you remember in the good ground, they received the Word and they continued. They brought forth fruit of that Word. They heard it and then received it. And we looked at the word received from Mark 4. Look at Mark 4 here in just a moment. And when it says this word, they heard the word and received the word. Verse 20, this is you. This is you, faith builders. You're not the wayside soil. You're not the stony ground. You're not the thorny ground. You are the good ground. You are good ground people. You are the good ground who hears the word and receives it. Well, you know, if you think receiving is a passive word, then you would think, well, they all received it. But the word in the original language means to take into your possession. To take into your possession. To maintain possession of it. You know, in football, and I can't go very far into football, but I'll tell you what I know. I know there is a receiver on the field when the offensive team is out there to play, right? And that receiver is trying to position himself for the receiving. And when he receives it, it's not passive. He's not just saying, hey, look what I got. No, he pulls it in close. He puts it in a way because, you know, there might be somebody from the opposing team that runs up and tries to take that ball. Why? Because it's kind of dangling. No, no, no. We're not, we're, this is my ball. We're playing this ball. I'm not going to give this ball up so that you can play it. And if they fumble it, well, now it's up for the receiving. And what happens when that ball suddenly becomes up for the receiving? Men will jump and throw their entire weight on that ball. And not just one of them, but the other one says, oh no, I'm going to jump. And they pile man upon man as if the man on the bottom, you know, might give up the receiving of the ball. I'm going to, and while they're on top, you know they're digging and they're clawing and they're saying, give me that ball, I'm going to take it away. So whoever fell on it, whoever jumped on it first, better be holding it tight, better be having it in a position. Why? Because everybody in that pile is trying to receive the ball. They want the reception. They want to come out of that pile with the ball in their possession. That's the word receive. That's the word receive. It's the same when Jesus said in Mark 11, Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you possess it. Believe that you take possession of it. 
believe that you dominate and bring that into your why? That, that's different than just, oh, I received that. I passively receive it. No, there's nothing passive about this spiritual receiving. That's mine. 1 Peter 2.24 belongs to me. It's mine. I'm the healed of the Lord by His stripes. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed. Deuteronomy 28 is mine. I tell you, it's mine. I own that. Deuteronomy 28 belongs to me. Blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, the field, the basket, and my storehouse. I'm blessed. I tell you, I'm blessed. I'm taking possession. Work that ponytail, right? Own that ponytail. Work that ponytail. Right? You're bringing it into your possession. You're making it yours. This is mine. That's the word received. This word is mine. This blessing is mine. This healing is mine. I'm, I'm not only hearing it, but now I'm taking possession of it. That's the continuing in. That's the, he that looks into the word and continues in it. Continues. I'm living in this word. It's engrafted in me. It's become a part of me and I've become a part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's going to happen? Blessed in our doing. Blessed in our doing. 1 Timothy 4. And I better close because I think last time I kept us so long, I thought, what are y'all still doing here? Go home. And pastor, of course, had to hold, hold me to it because how many times I've told him, look at your YouTube video. It's an hour and 20 minutes. And he said, mm-hmm. <laughs> look how long you preached. 1 Timothy 4. Let's look at verses uh, 15 and 16. 4.15 says, Meditate upon these things. Meditate upon these things. Meditate or look into the perfect law of liberty and persevere in looking. Persevere. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Be a doer of them. Give yourself wholly to it, completely to it, is mean apply those things. Meditate on them, yes. Be a hearer of it. Keep your focus on it, but then do it. Be a doer of it. Give yourself wholly, completely to them, and then what's going to happen? Your profiting will appear. Your progress will appear. Hallelujah. Your progress will be evident. Why? Because you've continued in it. You've done it. Not just hearing it and, and refusing to act on it, but hearing it and then giving yourself to it. Hallelujah. And I'll just make these references. We're not going to turn there. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 is a companion to this teaching because it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night so that you can observe to do. So the purpose of the meditating in it was to, for me to be able to see myself do it, for me to be able to act on it. Do you think that had anything to do with Joshua being able to tell the sun to stand still? Woo! Mercy. It said, you will make your way prosperous. He's standing out there and he said, if the sun goes down... 
We are at a disadvantage because we don't know this terrain and our enemy does and they'll be able to gain an advantage on us. So God said, I'll make my way prosperous. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to tell the sun to stand still. Sun, stay there. Don't you move. Moon, don't you move. And God stopped the earth from its rotation because of a man's faith coming out of his mouth. What, what doing of the word did he do? He spoke to the sun and commanded it. Hallelujah. And he spoke to the moon and commanded it, believing that this would make his way prosperous. Amen? Where did it come from? When it says you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success, what's the origin? We're the, we're the ones playing it out, but the origin is the word. It's the word in me that's going to make me know what to do. The reason I'll be able to make my way prosperous is because I have been doing nothing. I've become one with the Word. I've been meditating on the Word. I'm Word-focused. I'm Word-fed. I'm Word-built. And because the Word is engrafted into me, into my heart, I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to know how to act. I'm going to know what God wants me to do in that situation. Amen? And then, of course, Psalm chapter 1 also gives that companion testimony to that. It says that the blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, walk in the way of the ungodly. You can put it back up there for me because I've got them all mixed up. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. But in the law of God, we have our focus day and night continuing, continuing therein. And what's going to happen? What am I going to do? As a result, I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth my fruit in season and my leaf won't wither, and whatever I do, you see the doing? The Word is for the doing. The hearing of the Word is to help me in my doing. Hallelujah. Because when you act on the Word, you'll get Word results. When you, there are times that I have been in a difficult situation under pressure by the enemy, under pressure of situations, and I, I back up and say, what can I do from the Word of God? What, can I, what, what scripture can I act on? Sometimes it's sowing a financial seed. Sometimes it is rejoicing and being exceedingly glad. But I'm doing it as an action of the Word. I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to act on the Word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Stand with me to your feet. Did you get something out of that tonight?